Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Apologize uh, for any of the guys that can actually relate to that. And I'm thankful that my father-in-law never treated me that way. In fact, when he saw me come and he pulled out a fishing rod. Uh, and you can use your imagination uh, how he reeled me in. Okay. Uh, again, um, so good to have you here this morning. want to welcome you to Community Christian Church. And like Pastor Dan already said, happy Father's Day to all of our wonderful dads, including our natural fathers and our spiritual fathers. Thank you for your influence. Thank you for uh, the way that you change the world around you and for all of your efforts. Uh, We appreciate you so much. So one more time, let's give all of our dads, all of our fathers, a round of applause. Uh, As we begin this morning, I'm wondering how many of you have a bucket list? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, in a bucket list, it's not like a will. You don't have to write it out. It's just a list of things that you really want to do before you pass from this life to the next. You know, kick the bucket. Well, here's a few popular bucket list items. See if any of these resonate with you. Run a marathon, or maybe even a half marathon. Write a book. Produce a movie. A few no's over there. All right, learn to play an instrument or to speak a foreign language. Skydive or chase a tornado. That's pretty much the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Walk along the Great Wall of China. Ride a Venetian gondola down the Grand Canal. Now, that sounds really exciting. Snorkel the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. I love the name of that mountain. Or take an African safari. How about hike the Pacific Crest Trail? That's a 2,600-mile stretch all the way from the Mexican border upwards to Vancouver, British Columbia. Any of these sound exciting to you? A few of them. Anybody do any of those? Yeah. Well, believe it or not, I have a bucket list. I haven't written it out, put it in print, or made a big deal about it, but it's up there floating around. And yes, I know the clock is ticking. Because of the generosity of a good community Christian church brother and friend, I was able to scratch one of my sporting events off of the bucket list. I did that last year in 2017 when I went to the Super Bowl. It was an amazing experience. I mean, a once in a lifetime event. And I even got to witness the single greatest comeback in Super Bowl history when the New England Patriots came back from a 25-point deficit to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I can't seem to remember that quarterback's name, though. Uh, Bradley, that's right, Bradley. Okay, yeah, I know. All right, another bucket list item of mine is to visit Louisville, Kentucky on the first Saturday in May. Anybody know why? Kentucky Derby. I I fell in love with horse racing some 50 years ago, and ever since that time, I have always wanted to get to a Kentucky Derby. 
The only problem is the last few years, it's landed on the same weekend as our Mission Sunday. And you know how passionate I am about Mission Sunday. In fact, in case you don't know, we've already raised 65000 of the $100,000 goal that we have this year. That means we only have 35000 remaining. And we have six months to do it. So thank you so much for your generosity and your willingness to share uh, what you have with others. Uh, back to the Kentucky Derby. A little over a month ago, during the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby, a horse by the name of Justify won. And once again, like I've done the past several years, I pick the winner. I actually pick Justify to win. And no, I don't bet any money. I learned a very hard lesson when I was 16 years old, a gambling lesson, and it cured me for life. So now I just like to watch the horses run, not feed them. So when Teresa and I sat down to watch the Kentucky Derby, and again, this isn't something that we do all the time together, but I asked her uh, to sit through this one with me. So as we were uh, waiting for the Kentucky Derby to start, I told her, we're pulling for Justify. We want Justify to win. And that's when she said, it sounds like a biblical name. And it does, now that she mentioned it, because justification is an important Christian doctrine or theology. And sure enough, Right after Justify won the race, they interviewed the jockey, Mike Smith, and before he got off the horse, I don't know who saw it, the first words out of his mouth were, I want to give the glory of this race to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Therese was right. A Christian horse won the Kentucky Derby. He also won the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes, making Justify just the 13th horse in horse racing history to win the Triple Crown. And friend, this is so inspirational to me when this kind of thing happens. When I hear someone else in another sport, another activity, proclaim the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Yeah. Believers come in all shapes and sizes. And so if you appreciate horse racing, and again, I'm talking about the sport, not the dark side, not gambling your hard-earned money and getting into trouble. But when it comes to horse racing, there are three essential dynamics that have to happen or take place in order for any horse to make its way to the winner's circle. Three essentials, three qualities Three dynamics that have to happen if a horse is going to win a race. And here they are. First, the horse has to get a good jump or a good break out of the starting gate. Number two, he can't get trapped along the rail, or she can't. And number three, the horse has to have a strong finish. One more time. Get a good break out of the starting gate, not get trapped along the rail, and have a strong finish. Now you talk to any trainer or jockey or anyone who knows anything at all about horse racing and they will tell you all three of these things absolutely have to happen. They all have to be in place. All have to occur. All three of them. Because you can have a spectacular horse 
that may be faster than any other horse in the field. But if that horse violates any one of these three essentials, there's a good chance that that horse is not going to win. That's why the prize doesn't always go to the fastest horse. That's why the trophy isn't always presented to the best trained horse. And the favorite horse, the horse that everyone thinks is going to win, the horse that probably should win, doesn't always cross the finish line first. And don't take my word for it. Listen to the wisdom of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. Here's what Solomon said. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. One more time. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Now, strength, speed, and superior state of mind, these are all amazing attributes. But they're not enough. You need a game plan. You need a strategy. And don't look now, but these same three racing dynamics that I just gave you, namely a good start, not getting trapped and finishing strong, they not only matter in horse racing, but they apply to every other race you can possibly think of, including car, yacht, boat, bike, motorcycle, people, dog, and rat. Yes, even rat. Ever engage in a race like that? And now I'm talking about the American dream rat race. A term used to describe a frustrating and frantic lifestyle where many, many people subject themselves to a, a, a time-consuming, endless, pointless, fruitless pursuit of monetary stuff. Anyone here ever get caught up in a race like that? You see, that kind of race is completely contrary to the race that all of us as believers are called to run. And we are called to run a race. The scripture tells us that we are to live a life worthy of our calling. And one of the illustrations that Paul uses in his writings is a race. He's not the only one. Other New Testament writers said the very same thing. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, here's what the Hebrew writer says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Check it out. During your individual faith race, as you circle the track and obediently live your life the way that God has intended for you to live, you're either going to be throwing stuff off of you, getting rid of things that hinder you, or you're going to be adding some things, some weights and some burdens that are eventually going to slow you down and take their toll on you. Those are your only two choices as you run this race. As you circle that track, and as you continue to pursue God, you're either going to lighten the load or you're going to burden yourself down with the burdens of life. But remember our race objectives. It's a good start, a trap-free middle race, and a strong finish. 
through the back stretch and the home stretch. Those are the keys to running a successful race. So let's look at racing dynamic number one. Get a good jump out of the starting gate or simply get off to a good start. You have to get off to a good start. And over the years, when it comes to Christianity, I have witnessed this happen over and over again. When we live this life, we who live this life, without a knowledge of Christ, finally get it. When we finally understand what Jesus did for us on the cross, have a revelation of his love and his sacrifice, that truth alone will catapult you into a brand new dimension of living. It will change your life. And it's changed some of your lives. Maybe most of you. It's like being pressed up against an iron gate your whole life. And spiritually speaking, there's no hope. There's lack of purpose. There's no identity or connection to the God who created you. But then all of a sudden you see the light and you understand salvation and you become a recipient of the love of God and the gate swings open. And for the first time, all of that darkness and oppression is replaced with spiritual understanding and enlightenment. And when that happens, look out. Because enthusiastic, zealous, and passionate believers will stampede you. They will run you over if you let them. I mean, think about it. Think about the time when you first got saved, when you first gave your heart to the Lord. Think about how passionate you were how excited you were. That was your salvation starting point. That's when you started your race. And some of you bolted out of the gate so fast, the rest of us could hardly keep up with you. And God knows that it's nearly impossible to maintain that new believer pace. But he gives us the grace and the faith to continue in the race all the way to the end. Not to drop out, not to get tired, not to become a flash in the pan through the first quarter. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. We, we can be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, the very God who has orchestrated you breaking out of the gate and starting your race, he will perform it. Say that. He will perform it. He will perfect and complete his work in you all the way to the finish line. And so number one is a getting a good start out of the gate and allowing that start to get you moving in the right direction. You have to get to that point first. Now there's some of you that are still at the post, still waiting for the gun to sound. I mean, the gate's open. You have nothing but daylight in front of you, but you haven't come out of the gate yet. This would be a perfect day to start your race. This would be the perfect time for you to acknowledge that God has a call upon your life and he's asking you to take a chance and start running. All right, I want to look at numbers two and three together. So racing dynamic number two don't get trapped along the rail. And number three, have a strong finish. And whenever I hear those two words 
or that phrase, a strong finish. Whenever I think about that, I always think of Paul the Apostle. His ability to endure to the end and finish his race is the subject of his last epistle. The book of 2 Peter, which was written from a Roman prison cell in virtual isolation with Luke alone as his companion. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, here's what Paul wrote. These are familiar verses to all of you. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished my race, I have kept the faith. Therefore a crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, here in these verses, and I already mentioned, it was his last letter. It was the last time that he penned an epistle to send to the churches or to any of the leaders. And so he's emotional, he's dramatic, and he says, the time has come, and my life is coming to an end. But Timothy, I want you to know, I've run my race well, and I finish my race strong. And now for me, there is the promise of a heavenly distinction. There's something powerful. There's something of a blessing coming my way. I know that because the Lord has impressed it upon me. But not only me, Timothy. Every single believer who chooses to follow suit, who gets in this race with me and runs alongside of me, they will end up one day in the same winner's circle. That's the promise that we have. That's the promise that the scripture gives to us. It's a crown of righteousness for every believer who answers the Christian call and determines to run in this race. And so Paul's talking all about the benefits of finishing strong and staying in the race and being committed and devoted to the work that God has given to us. But then... Right after Paul declares his own commitment and faithfulness to the end, listen to what he says in the very next verses, the next two verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, and we just read verses 6 through 8. So this comes right on the heels. After saying he finished his race, he ran his course, he did what God called him to do. Here's what he says. Do your best to come to me quickly, because Demas, who? Demas having loved this present world, has deserted me. So Paul's talking all about finishing the race. He's challenging and encouraging Timothy to stay in the race and not give up. He says there's a prize that is promised to everyone who finishes and runs to the end with perseverance and strength. But then he says... Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. One version says Demas was influenced by the good things this world has to offer and he turned his back on his faith. Do you know what happened to Demas? Sometime during his race, after he got off to a good start, after he went flying out of the starting gate, he got trapped along the rail. You see, Demas... Let the concerns of this life, what Jesus identified and described as the desires of other things 
and the deceitfulness of riches and all of the other problems and issues that we can get caught up with in this life, he allowed those things to stop his forward progress. And keep in mind, there was a time in Demas's life when he was running right alongside of Paul. They were in two different lanes, shoulder to shoulder. They were running the race. They were engaged in doing the Christian things that God had called them both to do. In fact, in the book of Philemon, Paul identifies Demas as a fellow worker, a co-laborer in the gospel. He's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he did once he got started in his race. He became a minister. In fact, he put him in the same category as young John Mark. Remember John? John Mark? Mark ended up writing a gospel. I mean, you talk about following in Paul's footsteps. That was a strong finish on Mark's part. He wrote one of the four gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he didn't get off to a good start. He had some ground to make up. But he poured it on through the back stretch. And he finished his race with flying colors. But Demas, he got hung up in the middle of his race. After he took off, after he had a good start, after he understood that the call of God was upon his life, and just like Paul and just like John Mark, he was destined to run this Christian life, but he got trapped along the rail. And for those of you who are not all that familiar with horse racing and you don't know what happens in these situations, sometimes a good horse, a powerful horse, can get boxed in. And that horse wants to run. That horse wants to break free from the pack. He wants to get to the finish line, but outside forces and influences keep the horse contained and he's unable to break free. Now, we don't know the final outcome of Demas. We don't know what happened to him at the end of his life. The Bible doesn't tell us, doesn't give us the information. All the Bible says, all the scripture tells us is that Demas ended up falling in love with this present world. He got distracted. He got his eye on what this world has to offer and it caused him to stop running the Christian race. It bumped him off and out of his lane. Now, the scripture doesn't say he became a great sinner. It doesn't say that Demas did harmful things to the gospel or to Paul the apostle or anything else. It just says that he stopped running. He got hung up. And his last days were not his best days. And if you read between the lines, if he finished his race at all, he probably limped in, barely made it. Forget about finishing strong. He just barely made it. I don't want that to happen to you. Any of you. 
I don't want you to get to the end of your race or the end of your life and have regrets. I don't want you to think about the things that you could have done and how you could have helped the kingdom of God. How you could have run a little faster. Maybe been a little bit more involved in the Christian race versus any other race that you're running in. I want you to finish strong. I don't want you to be like Demas and find yourself just barely making it. But the, the reason I bring it up today is because it's happening. And I'm just being honest with you. I could have put together a little message and gone through three or four practical things that we could do as dads to up our game a little bit when it comes to family life and all. But I want to challenge you guys because this is happening today in the church. This is a problem for us in the church today. And it's happening mostly with our men, mostly with our guys. And here's what I see. We get off to a good start. I mean, we come bouncing out of that starting gate and we receive this thing called salvation and we have good intentions and good desires to increase our commitment to God and to our families and to our church. And we even have a deep desire to finish strong. But then other things get in the way. And we get sidetracked and we get hung up. And we don't finish the race as strong as we could. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul wrote this. The Holy Spirit clearly and unmistakably declares, that's pretty clear, right? That in the last days, many will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits. You know, when I read that phrase, turning away, do you see that? Turning away? That, that, that gives me some insight into this passage. When I, when I see that phrase, turning away, it tells me that here Paul is writing to believers, not unbelievers. Here he's addressing believers. See, he doesn't say, at least not in this passage, he doesn't say in the last days, many people will reject the faith because of seducing spirits, and I'm, that's happening. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say many are going to reject he says, in the last days, many who have already come to faith are going to turn away from faith. That's what happened to Demas. With as much passion as Paul instructs Timothy to stay in the race, he tells him a guy like Demas has dropped out of the race and he has to be careful. Demas was running. He was in the race. He was going to church. He was preaching the gospel message. He was involved in Bible study, in a life group. He did some things. Maybe he was on the golf league or the bowling league. But he didn't run with all of his heart. Some point during his race, he got hung up along the rail. And as a result, he could not finish his race. Paul said he stopped running. He deserted me. He turned his back on me. And the scripture says unmistakably in the last days the same thing is going to happen to believers you see with all the things that we can gain in this world all of what this world has to offer us 
And what we as Christians sometimes categorize as spiritual blessings, like wealth and riches and success and accomplishment, these are not bad things in and of themselves. These are not bad things for a believer. But the devil, he's slick. And he has a way of twisting good things and turning us, seducing us away from God and towards the world. And so what ends up happening is we run in multiple races. And we get ourselves going in every direction that it's nearly impossible to stay in the most important race. And remember the words of Jesus. He said, nobody can serve two masters. You can't run in two races, friend. You can't pursue two different interests and think that you're going to exceed in both of them. And so as we close out our time together, let me just offer a closing challenge. And I know this is a Father's Day message, uh, but I want to give this challenge to everyone. I've already quoted Hebrews 12.1. Here, here it is again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2 and 3. Let us fix or focus our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him. Say that, please. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The New Living Version says, consider him so that you will not get tired during your race and give up. Friends, I dare say to you that the only way that we're going to be able to stay in the race today, the only way that we're going to persevere, the only way that we're going to make it to the finish line without getting hung up along the rail or finishing weakly instead of strongly is to consider Jesus. We have to consider him each and every day. He has to be the source of everything that we do. He has to be our focus. We have to continually turn our eyes on him and fix our attention and our focus on him. You see, in this thing that we call a a faith-based life, if we're considering everything else that we do first, if we're taking care of all of our other business and then if we have an extra little bit of time, we throw God a bone, that's not going to work. We're not going to be able to get to that winner's circle the way that we want to. We're not going to be able to have the testimony that Paul had at the close of his life. I finished my race. I ran a good race. You see, whatever we focus our eyes and attention on the most, that's the race we're going to run the hardest. Whatever we focus our eyes and our attention on the most, that's the race that we're going to run the hardest. Unfortunately, in our day, in our culture, we are in multiple races. Some of us are like chicken without heads, and we just keep running. Let's not abandon the most important race that you and I are called to run. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
Father, we're so thankful to be able to come into your presence and worship you. And I thank you, Lord, for every person who's here. And Lord, for the promise that it's your faithfulness, nothing else, it's your faithfulness that speaks to our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the balance of encouragement, inspiration, and challenge that you give to each one of us as we run this race. Lord, it's not easy. At times we get tired. At times we want to slow down. But we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us plainly and methodically that you want us to persevere. You want us to make it all the way to the end. And so I pray for every person in this place today, Lord. I pray that as we open our hearts to you, you would speak clearly to us. Help us to make the modifications and changes that we need to make. But Lord, since it's Father's Day today, I I speak directly to the fathers and to the men. I, I challenge our men and our guys in this room today to not allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the other fleshly desires that this world has to offer cause us to turn our back on the very truth that you place within our hearts. Lord, I pray that our men would run and we would run with all of our hearts and we would keep that pace going, Lord, that after we got a good start, after we understood, Lord, that there's daylight ahead of us, And the sky's the limit when it comes to our relationship with you. Help us not to be influenced by anyone else in the pack to stay along the rail and to get trapped or boxed in there. Help us, Lord God, to finish strong and to have that endurance and that enthusiasm, Lord, to continue in the race. I thank you for our men. I thank you, Lord, for the guys who lead this church well. They lead their families well. I thank you for guys who are making a difference in their neighborhoods, in their communities, at the workplace. I pray, Lord God, that you would challenge us all to take a look at where our focus is, to spend a few minutes and consider you, Jesus, above all else. You're not one of a few. You're not one of several. You are at the top of the list. And great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. I pray that you'd minister, Lord, in these closing moments. Amen. The Lord has gifted me with a great assignment. He's allowed me to be your pastor. And believe it or not, most of you believe it, I enjoy it. I don't just do it. I embrace it as the call of God in my life. And in these days in my ministry, even though there's different assignments that I have and different responsibilities, this is what I want to do more than anything else for you, is I want to help point you to Jesus. I want to help to cause you to consider him in everything that you do, to make him the center of your attention, the focus point in your life, So that when you get to the end of your race, you're going to be able to have the same testimony that Paul had. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're going to have hangups along the way and get sidetracked. We all do. But to have that testimony, to be able to say, I ran my race well 
and I finished it. I want that for you. I want you to be able to say it. It has nothing to do with my scorecard. I only have to be concerned about one scorecard. That's my own. The scripture says very clearly, the only way that we are going to be able to continue to run this race and to do the things that God asks us to do in this life is to consider Jesus. Everything else, it'll distract you, get you moving in different directions. We have to come back to the point of seeing him first in our lives. Jesus has to be number one. And so I just want to... In closing, I want to pray for our men, and I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. A couple of things here, guys, and we're going to move through this real quickly, but I, I just like to take care of a little business here, because while I was speaking, uh, I, I, I felt something in my heart, and I, I almost said it during the message, but I figured I'd wait to the end. You know, we're talking about horse racing. And I told you there's the dark side of horse racing. And I'm just wondering if there might be any guys here that have an issue with gambling. Maybe it's your own little secret. Nobody else knows about it. God knows about it. And God is great enough to deliver you from that addiction and from that problem. Now, we're not going to make a big deal about it. I'm not going to ask you to respond to anything. I'm just going to include you in my closing prayer. And I wanted to give you a little advice. Having been through this myself at a very young age, don't go this one alone. Do yourself a favor and everyone else in your world that loves you a favor and tell somebody and get some help. Get some help if you have a problem. It goes for the ladies too. I'm wondering if there might be any guys. Now this one I'm going to ask you to respond to who right now would say, you know what? I got hung up along the rail. Several months ago, years ago, I started my Christian race. That iron gate opened. I understood what Jesus did for me. I came flying out of the starting gate. I had great determination of what I was going to do for God. But I've kind of gotten boxed in along the race of life. If that's you, just slip your hand up real quickly. I, I appreciate that. Hands all over the room. It can happen, guys. It can happen. I'm going to ask you to just make your way, now this is figuratively in your mind, make your way out of the, off the rail and get into the wide open area so that you can run again. Because the Lord has given you the strength and the speed to run. You can run with endurance. You can run with strength. You can get back in the running. Just get off the rail. That's my advice to you, get off the rail. And so, Father, we thank you for this great day in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for encouraging us, as you always do, to put our focus back in the place where it needs to be on you. You are the center of everything. We thank you, Lord, that that's the place you deserve to be in our lives is first. And for all the men who raised their hands, and maybe some of the ladies who didn't raise their hands but are thinking it, Lord, thank you for the strength that you give us to get back in the race, to get running again. 
Not to turn away from you, but to follow hard after the living God. I pray, Lord, a fresh determination for everyone here to run with perseverance and endurance the race marked out for us because that's the call that you placed on our lives. And Lord, you've given us a great reward for getting to the finish line. And I thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in each of our hearts. I thank you for your blessing over our congregation and especially our fathers. Lord, those who have children in their homes, those who have grandchildren that they're mentoring, I thank you, Lord, for our, our dads who are spiritual dads, those who mentor and care and coach. I, I thank you, Lord, for the blessing of Father. And we give you the honor first on this great day. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.